Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It is time, finally, for a much less detailed podcast. Here with you live on a Thursday night, October the 25th, 2018. I'm Dre. He's Jay. We are in the house. We had to eliminate our recap show for week seven. Ran into some timing issues and, and tired issues and work issues and life issues. And we're going to combine things a little bit tonight. We're going to look back on week seven, our, our Styles Clash Sunday and how all of that turned out. Uh, got a 90-minute show tonight, so we got a little time to recap week seven, and then we'll move on to all of our picks for week eight in the NFL. We're doing that extra early to accommodate Jay, who's going to take his family out of town for the weekend. So we're getting our picks in extra, extra early this week. And on top of that, it's our spooky week, so we get to highlight a lot of the teams that we will never speak of again after this weekend. Uh, But all that is coming up a little later. First, to recap week seven in the NFL, uh, what observations uh, did you want to start off with at the top of the show, Jay? Well, you know, I'm going to start off with your whole styles clash, you know, and with the interpretations that you kept giving. And I kept joking about uh, special teams and long snappers. We sure had a lot of special teams and long snappers factoring into this victory, uh, you know, that you pulled out over me for the week. Uh, and, and, and in some of your picks, I mean, you have the Patriots scoring special teams touchdowns. You have Justin Tucker misses the first extra point of his whole career, uh, which they actually kind of foreshadowed earlier in the broadcast because somebody, somebody pulled the Harry Carey earlier in the broadcast. Said, you know, when he, when he went out there and made one, and they're like, oh, he's never missed an extra point in his career. And you, you can just, oh, great. Yep. That, that just set the script. They pulled the Harry Carey. Um, you, have the, you, you have the Redskins back up the Cowboys five yards on a penalty on the long snapper oh. at the end of that game. I mean, so for as much joking as I was doing about your stats, because, you know, I was always just crapping all over your stats. And, and just joking about, oh, you didn't dig into special teams or long snappers. Well, guess what factored huge into this last weekend? Special teams, damn long snapper. L.D. Ladonsur was the Cowboys' <laughs> long snapper. And I tell you what, his long snapping metric just went kaput. I mean, his met just right out the window. Whatever his rank was on pro football focus as one of the best long snappers yeah. in the league, uh, whatever this little motion that he does with the football where he keeps picking yeah. it up and putting it down, and apparently he says he does that all the time, every time, so therefore it shouldn't be a penalty. Uh, it sure looked like a penalty to me when you move the ball that's supposed to be a penalty, and, that, and that's the definition of moving the ball. So, yeah, Dallas inventing a new way to lose. Good job on, on the Cowboys by having their long snapper pick up the ball before Brett Maher's field goal 
And it looked like it would have been long if he was where we're supposed to be with the 47 yards. It was 47 before the penalty, and then it was 52, and, and he just and missed. It, it curls and boinks off yeah. the upright, and looks like if it would have been five yards closer, that curl would not have uh, affected it. It would have went through the upright. So, yeah, huge, huge long snapping metrics, huge special teams. Uh, yeah, I, I thought of it too when it happened. I thought I thought of you and making fun of the long snap and, and all the GMs and all the stat nerds and all the Harvard grads in the front offices uh, furiously typing away at their computers trying to figure out the long snapping metrics and exactly what did that do. We joke about it, but man, there are guys. There yeah. are guys and girls that, whose job it is to figure that shit out. Trust me. Yeah. But what, just a week where we're – it's just so funny in a week where we kind of talk about all the clashes and the defenses and the offenses in three huge games, uh, three huge games that you and I disagreed on there, I believe, all with huge special teams plays. I just thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, you get the Patriots win uh, because of the special teams rallying the Patriots back uh, after they were losing early. You get the yep. Washington win uh, thanks to the doinkage uh, because they avoid overtime and Dallas could have easily won and, and covered the spread in overtime if they they get the ball and that turned everything around. Uh, yeah, the Styles Clash Sunday was it, it was you know I can twist it around and look at it and say you know if it wasn't for this or that, I would have been three and zero in my stylish class picks, but I wasn't. So, you know, the numbers are the numbers, and, and the stats are still for losers. But I, I still, I, yeah. I don't feel terrible about my my analysis before the games. I, I think I actually saw things pretty well uh, for the most part. It, it just didn't quite work out for me in all the picks. At least it worked out for my lock. Uh, yeah, yeah, you definitely pulled out the lock, and oh my god, the Jaguars! Oh my god. Ooh. Uh, I don't have any but, explanations for what's going on there. That's I mean, to, a, I mean, a Tulsa tire fire right now. Just giving up, giving up back to back. What was it? Back to back forties, and you figured they were just ripe to 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 go and put a whooping on Houston, and they put up seven points. Blake Bortles gets benched. I mean, you knew at that point, you knew that Cody Kessler wasn't coming in and giving them the spark. No, that was not to bring in Cody Kessler because he's just going to be the man who who lights it up. No, when you, you just yeah. it's because that's how bad Blake Bortles was, and you know when you get benched for Cody Kessler, you know it's bad. Uh, Bortles wasn't just bad; he was playing slow, like he was hung over. So, like, I don't want to start rumors or anything, but the way he was not—he wasn't reading the defenses at all. He was just like in slow motion, he was, and of course you get the defense time to get in place and, and knock the ball away and do what you got to do. He did. He looked so off, like off is one thing, but he wasn't even keeping up with the tempo of the game. So, uh, and, and I, I think he's going to get right back out there Sunday in London. I don't think they're going to start Cody Kessler. So uh, he gets one more chance. I guess maybe that was the wake up call. Like, look, if you don't straighten up, I will bench your ass, and it will be permanent next time. So yeah. this is the, the one more shot for Blake Bortles. It's amazing how we both thought that the Jaguars' defense was going to overcome Blake Bortles, not just in this game, but, hello, we both have the Jaguars as the AFC champions this year. 
which looks yeah. really bad at the moment. They're, they're, they're in a rough patch right now. They, they looked really good a few weeks ago. You know, they were dominant. And it, it's it's going off the rails pretty quick for them. The they are now the, fighting each other. Yeah, saving grace, bad division. All you got to do is kind of, you know, go go on a run here, right that ship. That, that, that defense didn't suddenly just become trash. So it, it's just that off, you know, the, eventually a good defense or a great defense will wear down under the pressure of bad offense. And I don't mean bad offense on the other side. I mean their own bad offense because you know, they almost have to be perfect because they know that their offense is struggling. And that's just, it seems to be the case right now. Yeah, it is a bad division, and they can still certainly rally uh, at the end of the year to put it together and, and win that division and, and make a run in the playoffs. So we're certainly hoping for it. But uh, at yeah. the moment, you say they're going off the rails. That's sure what, the, sure what it's looking like right now. It's our fault for trusting Blake Bortles. That's all our fault. Yeah. Well, and uh, well, we I guess we should talk about uh, all the you know, we talk about the weird things that happen in London. So so first so first your Titans screw me on my cover because that's a nice six and a half point spread, and all I needed the Chargers to do was keep them out of the end zone there at the end, and I get my seven point victory, and and and, and I can sneak one out. So then you get mm. first you get the cover right at the very end. But then the Titans channel their inner Wani. Da, 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 go for two. And, oh, da, I went go for, for two. Win. And it, it didn't work out. Weird, weird shit happens in London. And watching that game, because I actually got to see a, a decent chunk of that game, you know, being that it was the only game on, uh, wasn't up against anything. I didn't have to worry about red zone in it. That was the game that was on. Titans were out muscling the Chargers all over the field. I mean, the Titans were losing by a touchdown late, but if you just watched the game with the, without watching, there was no Fox box or anything on the TV, and you just watched it with no stats or no sound, you would have thought that the Titans were just pushing the Chargers around the whole game. Like, they were clearly the more dominant team. That game goes to overtime. I still like the Titans' chances to win that game in overtime. If their coach decided to try to put it to overtime, yeah. but no, he wanted to go for the win. Channeling their inner Wani, they channeled their inner gopher. I was having flashbacks, man. <laughs> we just told that story uh, a couple shows ago. Yeah, we but, did. Yeah, going for two instead of going for the tie when you have a, a chance down there to put it into overtime. And I, I on one level, I admire the guts uh, of Mike Vrabel, but on the other yeah. hand, and it's a 50-50 play, right? If it works, you're a genius. You're Riverboat Ron. You, you know, you got guts. You got you, all the stuff that goes with the winning. But when you lose, hey, be ready for the other side of it. What the hell were you doing? Oh, all the second-guessing and the Monday morning quarterbacking, sure. But And and so here I go doing the, the second-guessing and the Monday morning quarterbacking. It's not just that decision, but it's the, the OC, Matt LaFleur, for the Titans, who apparently never heard of running the ball at all. Uh, you got it at the one yard, the one foot line for the touchdown, and they 
pass it to Luke Stocker, which my heart was was in my throat as that ball's in the air because that was just hanging up there for anybody to take. And luckily, Stocker was able to bring it down and get that, that backdoor cover for me. And then on the two-point conversion, they come out running. It's incomplete, but there's a defensive penalty. So they get another shot at it at the one-yard line, a, a yard closer. And they try to throw it again, and it's incomplete. I understand Derrick Henry is struggling running the ball, but you ever heard of running at all? I mean, Deion Lewis was the best player on the field for the Titans. He's a running back. Run the ball with him if you don't want to run it with Derrick Henry. It's a yard. We say this all the time. Get a damn yard. It's a yard. Put the ball in the belly of a running back. Have your fat asses up front push the, the, off, the defensive line into the end zone and get a yard. It can't be that hard. But all these newfangled OCs that want to prove how everyone wants to prove their geniusness. So he's got to call up all these pass plays with one yard to go. And, and I'm glad it didn't work out for him because that's just stupid. <laughs> they, they deserved it. Is that, what, is that what you're saying? You go they through did. all that. You come back all the way. You deserve it. And you referenced the flow of the game and what was going on. Uh, yeah, I wanted to sort of get into the the whole game and break it down because it was one of the Styles Clash games that I talked about. It was, it was the Chargers offense that I was hoping was going to be asleep when they got off the plane with such an early start uh, against a, a pretty stout Titans defense. And it was strange the way the Titans sort of controlled the clock and controlled the ball, even without Derrick Henry running well. Uh, all his runs right now are failures. They they either uh, one after the other. He's either not finding the hole. There's a whole big hole on the left, and he's running right up the middle or something like that. Uh, or when he finds a hole and, and the first guy hits him, he's going down. He's not breaking any tackles right now, and that's a really bad combination, obviously, for a running back if you're not hitting a hole or breaking a tackle. Deion Lewis outplayed him badly. Uh, again, best player on the field for the Titans was Lewis. Uh, the Chargers overcame having uh, Melvin Gordon out. I, I wondered if they could get into the end zone with their best uh, running back on the bench, on the sideline. Uh, they, they figured that out. Let's just fool the Tennessee coverage and hit home run balls and just throw right over the top of them for touchdowns. But what that did was, uh, you know, that's called good coaching, I guess, if you do that successfully. But what it did was it gave Tennessee the ball back. It allowed Tennessee to control the clock, control the ball, keep the ball away from Phillip Rivers, uh, and they, I was actually impressed how they was they were able to grind it out without Derrick Henry being effective. Um, I, I hope the early star would find the Chargers asleep. They were wide awake. The, those those home runs were they, they obviously were wide awake. Uh, and Tennessee got a very nice game from Tajay Sharp catching the ball, but otherwise they kept getting their drive stopped by throwing on downs where they should have ran, except they can't run right now with Derrick Henry. Uh, so that's how the Chargers, despite looking like they were getting ran up and down the field, were up at 1.17 to 6. And I'm just like, how? How is this happening? Uh, It looked like they were going to put it away without Harley possessing the ball, honestly. But Titans kept playing hard, kept moving the chains, and the defense did make plays when they had to. Phillip Rivers did not go uh, for four or five touchdowns like he could have. He had the the, the two home runs. But otherwise, it wasn't wasn't the Titans just laying down and and getting ran over. It was some big plays and some blown coverages by the Titans, but they were able to, to stiffen up and get back in the game and get that last touchdown to cover for me. So uh, that's a mixed bag. It, it wasn't the Titans' defense. Uh, I, I didn't really think they'd dominate, but I thought they'd be better than that. Those those blown covers were terrible, but uh, but they did get it together in the end and, and played a lot better in the second half. Yeah. So uh, which which game stood out to you? I'm sure there's 
I'm sure you want to talk about your bears here at some point. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm able to get into that one uh, a lot as well because I, that was our local game, so I was able to watch all of that. Uh, the Bears' defense, uh, again, uh, uh, did not turn out the way that I thought. It was uh, it was not the Bears' defense that staked them to a 17-7 to lead in the second quarter. You see Chicago at some point leading by 10, and you're thinking, oh, the D came to, to play, and they busted Brady in the fucking mouth. And no. No, it was some crazy, gutsy, uh, no, no, yes, as I call it, runs by Mitchell Trubisky, or he's running backwards, and you're going, no, no, and then he breaks it the other way. And that was scored. a crazy play on that touchdown run. He had an eight-yard touchdown run in which they said he covered, I believe, literally 70 yards. He, he ran that much across the field and backwards and up back the other way that he actually covered 70 yards on an eight yard touchdown run. And it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, and, and there's the special teams uh, that you said, Cordero Patterson yeah. before the uh, kickoff return touchdown, Patterson actually coughed up the ball on a, on a kick yes. return. So he, he sort of took back the seven that he gave them because the bears scored a touchdown on that possession. And then Sony Michelle coughed up the rod, getting his knee twisted around in a really grotesque way. And the bears scored a touchdown on that drive. So that's how they took advantage and were able to take that 17 to seven lead. Uh, and, and the New England uh, defense, to me, is still trash. They allowed the Bears into the end zone both of those times uh, on the short field. They they didn't have to. They could have stiffened and, and made the Bears work for it, but they, they didn't. They let Trubisky just scramble everywhere. And, and this is repeatedly throughout the game, Trubisky scrambled and got a big yardage, not just moving the chain yardage, but like, he had one 39-yard run at one point where he he, he actually pulled the, uh, the the Garoppolo. He got towards the sideline on a scramble and said, no, I'm going to turn it upfield. I'm not going to run out of bounds. And he could have paid the same price that, that Jimmy Garoppolo paid, except he was playing the Patriots. And the Patriots just let him turn back upfield and, and keep running and didn't touch him. Uh, so, so that D still still trash as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and, and they extended one of the drives on defensive holding. So all of that this was a game the Chicago defense, I believe they salted away and beat the Patriots. If Khalil Mack is healthy, if, 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 if. I know there's a lot of ifs involved uh, when I lose a pick, but that's just how I am. But if Khalil Mack is healthy, it was set up perfectly for him to dominate again. Uh, New England wasn't ready to, to protect him as well as they could have because they were down. They had to really commit to throwing the ball even more so than they want to. And, of course, Michelle was hurt on that play. So they, they couldn't run with him. So it was going to be pretty much James White and, and Tom Brady and them against the world. And they didn't even have Rob Gronkowski to go to. And they managed to come back and, and do it anyway. The, and the Chicago offense obviously is not on the level of say, I don't know, Kansas city or the Rams or anything like that. They couldn't salt it away themselves. Cause that's another way to put it away against new England. As bad as that defense is, you go up 17 to seven and just get into a shootout. We got the lead and we're going to keep the lead because every time Brady scores, we'll just score right back on them. Uh, but they weren't able to do that. Trubisky was off target on many throws. His guys dropped a lot of his uh, throws that were on target. Uh, so they were, and they were losing balls in the sun too. That was just a weird thing. Several receivers looked like they were losing balls up in the sun. They look up and they can't see the ball. Funny how that doesn't happen to really good offenses, but Chicago kept having it happen to them. So this is one of those things. Uh, I, I took the much lower quality quarterback in my pick to make the, to take Chicago over New England. Uh, there's no doubt about it, and that's 
pretty much what bit me. It was in the end, Tom Brady kept making the throws and kept making the plays in the second half, and Mitch Trubisky doesn't. And yet, and yet, that trash New England defense let Kevin White catch a Hail Mary and almost let him get into the end zone for what would have been a game-tying score if they get the extra point. A yard shy of the end zone. I was that close. And I really don't think if, if Trubisky gets it another yard in the air and gets it into the end zone, I don't think New England's knocking that down even if it gets in the end zone. I think Kevin White is still making that catch because, again, the New England Patriots defense is trash. Yeah. Take that away from yeah, no. That's the one big one. Ke- well, Kevin White channeling his inner Plaxico Burris, a game that we've referenced multiple times on this show, the Atlanta-Pittsburgh uh, tie from – couple years ago the uh michael vick tommy maddox game where the ball the the last play of the game in overtime is a hail mary pass that plaxico burris catches and is knocked and basically tackled down at like the half yard line mm-hmm. and i i saw that play and i just i it's all i could reminisce back to was wow a, a game is going to end on a successful hail mary where three dudes tackle the receiver and don't allow him to to do the the, the Antonio Brown reach, you know, right? Where, where he just pokes that thing over, and and then they tackle him, and that that's how they won. I mean, that that was obviously the the final play of the game, but still, the Patriots somehow, some way, find find a a way to get thirty eight points on that on that Bears team. Now, I won't say they got that thirty eight points on the Bears defense because they you know what is it block punt touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 95-yard punt return touchdown or kick return. Uh, so so they, they weren't necessarily lighting up the Bear D, but they were doing just enough. I had texted you early on in that game that it, it looked like it was going to be a lot of James White. <laughs> you know, you, you could see that it was going to be Brady on a lot of underneath stuff and a lot of dumps off to dump offs to James White. And, and, and White had a very productive game. He seems to be the guy that everybody forgets about in that Patriots offense. And Maybe. thank God for him if you're the Patriots, because if they didn't yeah. have him, I don't know what they would have done. Yeah, the, all, but all the little all the little check downs and dump offs and, you know, we, I, I didn't feel like Brady was going to wilt under pressure. And I, I didn't think like it, it didn't seem like the Bears were bringing an exorbitant amount of pressure. I think they knew better. Yeah, they, they're, you don't blitz Tom Brady because yeah. he, will, he will destroy you. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, so. Um, I guess we should thank, uh, in, in a week of weird covers, I guess we should thank the Browns and the Giants for some ridiculously cheap ones this last weekend. The uh, Giants, I never can figure it out, but they uh, were able to uh, get that last touchdown to, to Com- cover the spread. Completely the last, meaningless touchdown. I think, I think you pretty much called how that was yeah. going to turn out. Whoever had the ball, right? I mean, I said it was going to be, hold on, to, hold on, you know. It's whoever had it at the end. Well, it, it, in Atlanta specifically, the their defense, if you have it last against them and you're whatever yeah. you're trying to do, win the game, cover a spread, whatever you're trying to do, they're going to let you do it because they're so beat up. They're missing so many guys. They can't really stop you, and that's exactly what happened. The Giants had that ball last down by uh, 10 points. Got that last touchdown to uh, from Odell Beckham, 
to get to within three, and that covers the four-point spread. So, we, yeah, we both uh, benefited from that. But, boy, the Atlanta, wow, what they could have been this year, the way the offense is humming, if that defense could stay intact. Uh, so that get them that gets that gets them to three and four. I don't know about you, but I don't feel good about their chances the rest of the year. No, you know, and I, I pretty much have said I think already on the show that I I think they're going to play that aggressive spoiler the rest of the way. I, I don't think they just fade away. I think they're there every week. I think they they are a well coached team. I don't think they're just going to completely uh, fall apart and uh, go in the tank here. That that offense has way too much talent. They're going to be in a lot of games just like this. I mean, this has basically been every game they've played since uh, the New Orleans game with all the guys getting hurt. Uh, it, I think we're just going to keep seeing a lot more of this. And they'll they'll come out on the plus side, I think, against some of the worst teams and, and not against the really good teams. Uh, they'll, they'll probably suffer because they're going to lack the execution on defense. But against the Tampas and the Giants, you know, any, any, if they've got somebody who, who's who's not all got all the intest, excuse me, all the intestinal fortitude, they'll win. And you know, against the, the the teams like the Saints and the, you know, I don't know who else they have coming up down the road here, but anybody who's going to present them with a a tough challenge is probably going to give them fits. And, well, uh, if the Panthers can come back from yeah three scores down and knock off the world champs, then they probably won't have too much trouble with the with the Falcons. D. But on the plus side for Atlanta, I mean, I know that it, more of a testament to how bad the Giants are, the fact that up until the last minute of that game, the Giants had only put 13 up on them. Sure. But, yeah, as, if you watched any of that game, you know why. It's because uh, Eli Manning is just terrible. Yeah. He's just terrible. Yeah. Hall of Famer? I, I keep saying he's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know if I'm in the minority here of the Eli Mining is not a hall of famer, uh, you know, bus tour that I'm going to have to go on, but I will say, you know, the, the kind of off shucks fakes, he, off shucks face he makes, you know, the, just the, uh, you know, the, you know, the Eli face, right? Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. The all oh, man with his hands up in the air. If he makes the hall of fame, that better be the, the bus. <laughs> no, it's semantics. I'm 100% in the same camp as you of, when I look at Eli Manning play, I don't see Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm just saying he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. <sighs> That's all I'm saying. Man. Uh, yeah, Cleveland with the uh, the backdoor cover with the overtime. Oh, yeah. boy, was that a weird game. Uh, you know, those those two franchises, the Browns and the Buccaneers, those are two of the more entertaining shit franchises out there. They find a way they are to, now. Yeah. to keep it interesting. Even though they're bad, they they at least keep it interesting. So that um, that Chandler Catanzaro field goal escapades where he misses the forty yarder that would have won in regulation, yeah. but hits the fifty nine yarder in overtime. I don't even know where to begin on that. Uh, but I think that might have been if if there's a such thing as clutch field goal kicking. I don't know if that metric exists either. But when you blow as many kicks as Catanzaro had blown earlier. And you come down to the, the the Buccaneers don't trust Jameis Winston on fourth down uh, because he's not doing too much out there. So they're going to send you out to kick a 59-yard field goal and, and cross their fingers. I think basically Catanzaro was like, I have to hit this or else I'm jobless and my family doesn't eat. So <laughs> yeah. 
He doesn't have that Mason Crosby job security where you can go out and miss four and, and then have a job the next week, right? Exactly. He does not have a decade career yeah. to make them keep him around. He's he's just a guy, so he had to make that kick. So good on him, but good on us to get the back well, work up. And keeping the whole special teams theme of the week, we, we, we passed up on it in the last game. We didn't talk about the great Giorgio Tavecchio. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Atlanta, Matt Bryant's hurt. So Atlanta puts Giorgio Tavecchio. I don't know where <laughs> this guy came from. I mean, he won a contest, you know, turned in, you know, redeemed some cereal box tops or something. I don't know what he did, but all of a sudden he's out there the kicking field goals for the Falcons. Yeah. And he nails the, was like, 54 yarder. Yeah. To put them up 10 to basically salt away the game at a point in that where I believe it was fourth and three. And I just knew for sure Dan Quinn was just going to go for it. They were going to not get it. Giants were going to come down. You know, I saw the whole thing unfolding. But somebody forgot to give uh, Giorgio Tavecchio the script. Some some kickers actually come through when you give them a chance. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. They don't always choke. So yeah, finding out before the game that Matt Bryant wasn't going to be uh, be out there, I was like, oh, oh boy, this can't be good. What are they going to do? Are they just going to have like the the punter doing this? And they they, they have this okay. kid who goes out there and nails three field goals for them uh, in that game. So yeah, another 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 thing in our you know we talk about the styles clash. It was more special teams. No, they were good. They announced before the game of anyone in the sands can kick. We'd like you to come down and try out. And is there is there a doctor in the house? The <laughs> football doctor, and, and this kid comes down and, and nails the kicks. Yeah. Uh, the third game of the Styles class was the Saints Ravens game, and that game yeah. was extremely strange because it's scoreless into the second quarter, and. That's so not anything you would expect out of any New Orleans Saints game. I don't care who they're playing. Uh, but it was even stranger when you'd see how they did it. It's because New Orleans, they sort of beat Baltimore at their own game. They possessed the ball. They refused to give it up to, to the Ravens. They kept the, they kept the ball away from the Ravens. A 10-minute drive to start the game, they uh, would have scored, except they fumbled on fourth and goal at the four. But... Uh, but at least they kept the ball away from Joe Flacco and and, and the, the Ravens' offense, and they made it a sort of a possession game, and and you didn't expect that. At least I didn't expect that. So that's that's sort of how they wound up uh, staying in the game with Baltimore. It wound up being a back and forth affair. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to say that they were afraid to get into a shootout, obviously, with the Ravens, but it was just a different way to, to play football that, that Sean Payton and the, and the Saints decided to go out. And instead of just going for the home run every time as if they were in their own dome, they decided to just play the, the short game and, and keep moving the chains and, and keep the Ravens off the field. And it, it worked. I think they know that how good the Ravens can be in the secondary. I think they – obviously had the, the most respect uh, or, or the most confidence in Drew Brees that you could have, but they respected the Ravens defense. They respected the secondary and they didn't want to just go chucking up balls and, and, and risking a bunch of turnovers because the Ravens are ball Hawks and, and have been playing very good defense this year. So, so they played the short game. They, they come out on top in the end because again, with the special teams, 
because Justin Tucker blows that extra point at the end of the game. Boy, his wide eyes when he blows that extra point and just goes spinning yeah. off to the side, that's all of us. That was everybody when they when that extra point was missed. Everyone on the highlights uh, watching at home, everybody in the stadium who watched it live, the, the, the team, the Ravens team, the Saints team, that was everybody with the same wide eye look like, what? It, what, what? it missed? That was everybody. So uh, I feel his pain because uh, I, I was just as stunned as he was. Uh, but uh, thankfully for my for my lock, <laughs> that's all I can say is, is that it is spun away. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you needed you needed some help on a little help on that mm-hmm. one there because who knows that game gets to overtime. All Baltimore has to do is kick a, f- a field goal in overtime. That's right, and, uh, and that's a cover. So yeah, so you need you needed that, but that's fine. It's okay. It's a long season. That, that's that's how crazy it, it, it can be. I could have been three and zero against the spread on um, my Styles Clash Sunday, and I also could have been one and two. So yeah, either way. But uh, but it was, it was very fun. very easily very easily. So it was yeah it was a, it was an interesting week. We already mentioned uh, Carolina coming all the way back, and whoa, whoa the Eagles just they they are not they're not right right now either. Well, did you see their play calling sheet uh, at the end of the game in the fourth quarter? Well, it was, Philadelphia. It was, uh, the was a good leading, one. Leading seventeen to nothing in the fourth quarter, the Eagles ran the ball in thirteen play calls. They ran the ball once, one run in thirteen play calls, up seventeen to nothing. As awesome as Doug Peterson is, and you can't ever take that ring away from him. He's got more Super Bowl coaching wins than I ever will. But this is the downside of having offensive genius guy as your coach. I tell you, uh, these coaches, they think they're so bright. They think every play has to be a pass play because they need to show off their geniusness. It's just flashing back to uh, the, the Titans in the morning who had all these plays right there at the one-inch line and the one-yard line and yep. uh, just had to call, call all these passing plays. Can anyone just run the football? I mean, my God. And I know the Eagles have injuries in the, in the backfield. But you still have running backs there. You still have Corey Clement there. You still have other guys there, Wendell Smallwood. So what? You don't have Jay Ajayi and, and you uh, traded Larry Blunt and Darren Sproles is hurt. You still have people. You can still choose to run the ball if you want, but they just chose not to. It's just infuriating. Yeah, so even in a bye week, we, we get Murga. We get some more Murga. Even in God. a bye week. John, so John Gruden trades Amari the sell-off Cooper. Sell-off has started. To yeah, back up the truck. Uh, they're ready. For, they're, are they <laughs> heading to Vegas as we speak? I mean, <laughs> I mean, so so they trade Amari Cooper to the Cowboys. Of course, I don't know if you had the same reaction I had, which was that's great, but Dak Prescott's still their quarterback. Very very similar response. My response is. I'm very glad that now there's not going to be any more excuses. Yeah, no whatever more excuses does, for Dak Prescott, right. Whatever he does from this point forward, we can't blame it on they don't have a number one wide receiver because now they have a number one wide receiver. And I'm not blind. I know that Amari Cooper has not been uh, perfect for Oakland. I know that there's been issues uh, with his effort on the field. 
he hasn't been the, the guy that he was expected to be. I understand that, but he's still a sight lot better than anyone else on the Cowboys roster right now. I think he's an upgrade over Cole Beasley. I don't know what you think. <laughs> yeah. Cole Beasley was out there be like, hey, we're getting open. He's not throwing us the ball. I mean, the receivers were starting to throw Dak under the bus. It's not the play calls. Hey, we're, we're wide open. Check the tape. Uh, well, now they got Amari Cooper. And I was still looking for Des Bryant out there. I still was wondering if, you know, what what's the reason that he doesn't have a job yet? I, I can't believe he's finished playing football. I can't believe that he's that fallen off. I, I, I really still am waiting for that second part of that puzzle, that jigsaw puzzle. You got the one piece of Dak Prescott and the other piece of Des Bryant falling off. And from what I saw, it wasn't Des falling off. It was Dak falling off and not being very accurate, but I still want to, I'm still waiting for Des Bryant to come back in the league so I can see that piece to see if maybe he has lost a, a step or two steps or three steps. But at least now we got Amari Cooper on there. No excuses for Dak anymore. If he if he can't light it up with, with Amari Cooper, uh, then I think it's time to look for a, a, a different quarterback option. Yeah, so so they go out and they trade the number one. They get the they get the big wide receiver piece. They they lost in the division. And now you have the uh, Redskins. Lo and behold, Alex Smith, the Washington Redskins, sitting alone atop that division. Uh, did, bet you didn't think we'd be saying that going into Week Eight. Definitely not. Um, Amari Cooper will not help Dak Prescott from fumbling into his own end zone. That he can't help anything uh, as far as that goes. <laughs> no, no. So you got the Eagles are uh, sort of uh, struggling right now. You got Dallas. You got the the Giants are lost in the wilderness. I mean, their season's over. Yeah, you know, every every week that goes by, they just keep uh, vindicating Ben McAdoo. That's nauseating to but to think that anything vindicates anything that Vin, that Ben McAdoo did. But yeah, Eli looks worse and worse. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so you, so you reach the point where you start to wonder. It's like, hey, was uh, was he onto something? Did he, <laughs> did he know something? Well, he he went all everyone agrees he went all about it the wrong way. Yeah, not 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 the not the best tactfulness, but the Giants are just that's a bad team. They spent all that money on all those defensive pieces a couple of seasons ago. It's never worked out. The offense they have, I mean, they have Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. You, you think you've got two out of the three pieces that you need for that to, for that magic triplets combo, and Eli Manning can't do nothing with it. Yeah, one piece is missing. One big piece. Yeah, the one big piece. Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, yeah, good players. I don't know, I don't if, know. Uh, if the Giants are going to do anything about that uh, anytime soon. Watching this Dolphins-Texans game at all? No. <laughs> uh, the, the, the 21-17 right now, the t- Dolphins just scored a touchdown. This might be one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. It's not very well played either, but yes, the the officiating they they basically got uh, Pereira in the booth just second guessing every single official's uh, call right now. Uh yeah yeah no there was a there was an offensive pass interference call here a few minutes ago on DeAndre Hopkins which which wasn't <laughs> and, and then he made a play that and it took away a play where he caught the ball with one hand and then cradled it between his legs to to keep control. 
So they, they took that away. So that great play, players making great plays, and here come the refs. They took away a defensive touchdown um, for the uh, for the Texans on, on, on what they weren't sure was maybe like a, a tuck rule, backward pass maybe. Uh, they, they When Pereira came in and explained the rule, basically said that if the arm of the quarterback, and this is like, this is great. If the arm of the quarterback is going forward, but contact with the defender causes the ball to get thrown backwards, it's not a fumble. Huh? I heard that part. I, I was watching before the half. and uh, one of the things I've ever heard. It is. Um, I so tried to. Again, here, come that, here comes that NFL rule book again. Yeah, I tried to follow it. I tried to understand what he was saying. It, it's uh, it was it wasn't easy. That was a um, touchdown. That was a touchdown. <laughs> but, but but again, this and this is the problem I'm starting to have with football is great players are making great plays, and the refs are getting in the way. You got to run up and yeah. say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! Let me put on my glasses and open up the rule book and and show you where that was not a touchdown." Nothing to do with the fact that we've disagreed on this game and they keep screwing my Texans pick here, but because Houston could still very easily cover this number in this game. But just from the standpoint where it just seems like these penalties just keep going against the Texans, and it's bad. No, it was bad uh, that first half that I was watching. It was it was badly officiated. It was badly played. Both teams looked like ugh, just just bad, <laughs> just bad all around. But th- th- this is this is the problem of we have to pick them all. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, like, I guess uh, we might as well get to that, huh? Yeah, it's it's uh, running low on live uh, airtime because I only yeah. made it a ninety-minute show. I didn't think we were going to have it this much to talk about for recapping week seven. But week, though, I mean, it was, it was actually uh, mm-hmm. a lot of close games, a lot of a lot of close uh, a lot of close outcomes. You know, a lot of the games that we disagreed on went down to the wire. Uh, one one play here or there made the difference there. So, I mean, it was it was a very competitive week. We didn't get to talk too much about uh, when you allow 200 yards on the ground to the Detroit Lions. You can totally pack it in. That was what the Dolphins yeah. did before this game yeah. tonight. Yeah, uh, we didn't, didn't talk about Aaron Donald woke up. It's just he's one of those players that, Oh shit. When he wakes up, it's you know, completely forget it. Cause he's, he's so dominant. We, we, we don't need to talk about the fact that the Rams and the chiefs are really good. This just in the Rams and the chiefs are really good. In case you didn't know. So yeah, the uh, Halloween holiday, if you can call it a holiday is approaching uh, rapidly. It's only six days from now. And so, what we always do the week before Halloween is we call this our scary, spooky week. We get to break down our highlight games are going to be for teams that really give you the creeps. Like that they're so bad, they creep you out. The game creeps you out. The matchup creeps you out. And these are teams that we're not going to really talk much about as the season goes on. This is week eight. There's no reason to talk about the Buffalo Bills too much going forward because their season is so over. There's no reason to talk about Murga, the the Raiders, because their season is over and they keep trading parts off. So 
this is our chance to highlight some teams and, and highlight some games for week eight that they're just going to give you the creeps. They're just going to make you feel all icky and give you the heebie-jeebies. And that's what our, it's, what our it's, Halloween picks are all about. It's perfect for Halloween. It's, it's like we're burying these teams now, right? I mean, it's like the, we're giving them the Viking funeral here. We're pushing these teams out in the boat and launching arrows at them and saying some kind words and having a good cry because chances are that we're not talking about any of these teams other than the fact that we have to pick their games. The only thing that we're going to be saying basically when those teams are involved is I've got so-and-so and and we don't really break this down too much anymore for these teams. So we're bidding five out of these six teams here that we're about to highlight. Sayonara. Indeed. So with that, on to our three highlight games in this spooky pre-Halloween week eight in the NFL. And we'll start with the Colts and the Raiders. The Indianapolis Colts are two and five. They are one and three on the road. And despite Andrew Luck trying like hell to keep them relevant, it's just so hard. Uh, They're obviously uh, not going to be in contention in the AFC South. The Oakland Raiders at one and five. uh, I call them one and one at home because I don't count that lost in London as a, as a home game, but they're so out of it there. As we discussed, they're trading pieces off. They got rid of Amari Cooper to the Cowboys. Uh, they're losing uh, Marshawn Lynch to injury. They put him on injured reserve. So it just seems to be getting worse and worse uh, in Oakland uh, under John Gruden and what has been just a disaster of a first season back as head coach. So this one is a game that nobody in the world would want to watch. It makes it a perfect, scary, spooky matchup. And the point spread is the uh, Indianapolis Colts are, despite being 2-5, and five, a lot more respected than the Oakland Raiders, who might be the worst team and the worst organization in football. The Colts are three-point favorites on the road at the Raiders. Jason, who you got? I guess we are about to find out if the Oakland Raiders have any – measure of respect left as, as a team and as a franchise, as it goes through the rest of this season, we're about to find out if this is like the full on tank. I mean, if if we, you don't trade Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper and go through all of this, unless your mission is to purposely lose. I mean, there, we could be getting into Houston Texans territory here where a kicker is just going to start knuckling balls, 40 yards (laughs) off the right into the stands so that they don't accidentally win a game at the end of the season to give themselves the number one draft pick. So we're about to find out a lot about this team, because when you look at it offensively, even minus uh, Amari Cooper, Marshawn Lynch, they still have Derek Carr. Jalen Richard is not a bad running back. Jordy Nelson's showing up a few times this year. They they still have some players. They can still go out there and get it done. We know the defense is atrocious. We know. I mean, you got rid of it. You know how hard it is to find a good pass rusher? Just ask John Gruden. So hard. So, and so hard. In the Indianapolis Colts, I was all over them last week. I almost locked that one. I should have locked that one in because what they did to the Buffalo Bills <laughs> um, and Derek Anderson, who – Oh, God. We'll talk about him later. Uh, 
you know, Andrew Luck has been playing pretty good football. I mean, for a team that's two and five, they're not two and five because of the because of Andrew Luck. You know, they could be two and five easily without him, but they're not two and five because of him. So uh, this is a really interesting game for me. I'm giving the Oakland Raiders one last spin, one last time. Just, you know, it's Halloween week, right? This is when we say goodbye to all these teams for the rest of the season. I'm giving the Raiders one last chance to show up, have a little respect. Let's get some coaching out of John Gruden. They gave him 10 years and $100 million. I don't think they gave it to him to trade off the entire team. But we're about to find out if this is the full-on tank. They go out and they they get embarrassed here at home against a a, a very beatable Colts team. We will know. This isn't no longer like wink, wink, nudge, nudge there in tank mode. We'll just know it's a tank. So it's a very beatable Colts team that the betting public has as three-point favorites uh, in Oakland, which is supposed to be uh, the black hole and and scary to play in and spooky and scary in their own right. Uh, Yeah, the Colts are not going to be three-point favorites on the road against anybody else the rest of the year. I'm pretty confident in saying that. So that's what the public thinks of of the Raiders and uh, their last gasp at, at respect. I don't know how you can have respect for your organization when they are so clearly inept like this. And I don't care if it's Reggie McKenzie, the actual general manager by title, or if it's John Gruden, the de facto general manager. I don't care who's breaking this team down. Someone is tearing this team down from the inside, brick by brick, and it's it's ugly. You're not supposed to have tanks like this, really, in the NFL. The NFL makes it so easy for you to, to build back up. If you're a bad team, uh, you you got to really try like the the Cleveland Browns. You got to try to suck every year. Uh, they give you so many chances to build yourself back up. Uh, and, and unless you're just completely, totally inept like the Browns, you can, you can build yourself back up in pretty quick time. If you just draft smartly and, uh, and actually keep the talent that you have instead of trading them away and then bitching about how you can't find somebody at his position. So that's what the Raiders are doing, and that's what Murga looks like, and John Gruden is making the Raiders great again by making them terrible. And I don't have any respect for for Oakland right now. I don't want to say that I'm not picking them the entire year anymore, but I don't know when I'm going to pick them again, and I'm not going to pick them this week. I'm going to take Indianapolis and give the three. Uh, Marlon Mack is coming off a big running game for uh, for the Colts. He did not practice today, so that doesn't bode well for him getting back out there this week, but this is what I'm dealing with on the uh, early picks for Thursday night. Not that I'm bitching and moaning, but I do usually have the injury reports for Friday. They're more definitive than on Thursday, and right now there's a lot of, well, he didn't practice today. We don't know. He, he, he might be able to make it, but we don't you know, don't really know. So Marlon Mack doesn't look like he's going to play, but there's a, there's a chance he will. Well, we know Beast Mode isn't playing, and we know Amari Cooper isn't playing. He's not even on the team anymore. Uh, I also have my uh, – this is the time of year where I go to my stats uh, a little more intense. I, I like to look back – this is a good time of year to look back in week eight to go – to look three games ago and see where each team was as far as their uh, season – stats, rankings, rushing offense, and, and passing offense and defense and whatnot, just to see where they're trending, who's getting better at something uh, than they were earlier in the year, who's getting worse. Uh, the Raiders, not surprisingly, are getting worse uh, passing the ball. Uh, they were six, and now they're 10th. They were averaging 8.4 yards for throwing out, averaging 7.7. The thing about that is they started off the season with that first game not doing much in the air, and then 
John Gruden airs out Derek Carr publicly. He says, hey, you're being a pussy. Be more aggressive. Go downfield more. Well, he's been going downfield more to the other team sometimes. And then Gruden comes back with, hey, you're not doing it right. You're not. You're being too aggressive. What are you doing? So really there's nothing Derek Carr can do right. And at this point, uh, he's got to be feeling like, you know, there's just no support here. There's nothing really to play for. Uh, I didn't think – that it was going to become a thing when that uh, that footage, that I don't know if you've seen it yet, Jason, of him uh, peeling himself up after a sack uh, a couple games ago and looking like he was about to burst into tears. I didn't That's think right. that was going to be that. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal, but it's been blown up a little bit. I've seen it talked about on, on shows as, as recently as this week that they're still uh, talking about it. And he's like tweeting about it and trying to address it and saying, I wasn't crying, you know, stop, leave, leave me alone. Uh, it's this this bad. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. We've got Crygate now in the NFL. I don't know if I've ever seen something like that. Uh, so it's getting it's worse worse and worse in Oakland. It's bad and it's getting worse. Uh, so I'm going to take uh, Indianapolis and give the three because I don't know when the Raiders are going to be respectable again. You know, John Gruden said, uh, "Boy, I don't know. If, you know this. You know, you know, it's so hard to find a top flight wide receiver in this league." <laughs> Has he said that yet? Or if he has, oh, that's, it's official that no, he's just trolling that would, everybody. That would, that would be when you know that he is just yeah. trolling the media. That's Murga. That, that's Murga, baby. <laughs> Full-blown Murga. That crap. Although at this point, I don't put anything past him. Uh, our second spooky highlight game will be probably the worst game of the week, so very fitting for, for Halloween weekend. Uh, San Francisco versus Arizona, and it's also spooky because it's a rematch already. They're they're getting into uh, divisional rematches uh, early in the year. Uh, this is a rematch of a week five game that nobody wanted to watch then and was, I'm sure, ugly to watch then. And now we got the rematch. Uh, Arizona went to San Francisco in week five and beat them 28 to 18. However, they did give up a, a whole lot of yardage to C.J. Beathard. I, I don't. I didn't go back and look, but I, did that, was that the first game that he started after the Garoppolo injury? Uh, week five? That sounds about right. It was somewhere around there, and uh, yeah, he, he surprised everybody. I think by throwing for somewhere over three yards, uh, even though Arizona was able to win the game. It was they're taking advantage of a bunch of turnovers and weird plays in that game, which is not a surprise because it's two terrible teams. Of course, there's going to be weirdness going on there, but this is about as bad as it gets. They're both one and six, the 49ers and the Cardinals. The 49ers are 0-4 on the road. The Cardinals are 0-4 at home. Something's got to give. This spread is the 49ers actually being favored by a point on the road at Arizona. Uh, Arizona with the kid, Josh Rosen at quarterback now, uh, and Sam Bradford on the bench. San Francisco, of course, with C.J. Beathard after the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. So they, these two teams are clearly just playing out the string. Uh, San Fran's got some injury issues uh, of, uh, along with uh, losing Jimmy Garoppolo. They've got uh, Pierre Garçon did not practice today, so they may be thin on the uh, receiving end. Matt Breda, the running back that has been surprisingly impressive this year, did not practice today, uh, so they may be thin at running back. But I've actually been impressed by this kid, Raheem Mostert, that they have uh, running for the 49ers. He, he broke off some pretty big runs in that Monday night uh, weird cover uh, at Green Bay that I was able to predict. Uh, 
so they, they got something going there. They got some talented pieces still going, even even though they're one and six. Uh, everything is, is trending down for the 49ers. Most things are trending down for the Arizona Cardinals as far as the last what they've done in the last three weeks. They haven't really improved too much. At least the Cardinals have improved their passing defense a little, but it was so terrible to begin with. It was almost impossible not to improve it. So there's not too much to look for there. It's, it's just bad. Uh, I know we're supposed to break down a little bit of, of two of, of the bad teams in the spooky week. I don't know there's too much to break down. I, I don't. Uh, the 49ers are missing their stud quarterback. There's There's no hope there. The uh, Cardinals are starting a rookie and letting him get his licks and, and figure things out. So they obviously don't care about competing this year. They're just going to let him, uh, you know, break himself into the league and, and earn his way. Uh, as far as the uh, the game goes, a uh, little bit of reverse psychology for me in this one. I figure Arizona went to San Francisco and, and beat them despite giving up a lot of yardage to Beathard. So I, I'm going to have uh, San Francisco come back and go to Arizona and, and get that win back and, and knock off the Cardinals. Uh, I, I don't know if there's too many guys looking around the locker room for San Francisco going, this is our big revenge game. We got to get Arizona back for beating us in week five. But I think there's a little bit of that there. I think, you know, you've seen an opponent and you know they beat you three weeks ago. I, I think you kind of bone up and say, all right, we, we got to give a little more. We're going to give a little extra. Um, and I even had a little bit, a little bit of this uh, happen last night in the bowling league, if I may uh, pull something from there and apply it to the uh, to these picks. The team that we uh, bowled last night, we just bowled them two weeks ago in position round, and they're a very, very, very good team. Their team handicap is very low. It's it, years before that we bowled them, their team handicap has literally been like twenty, and it's a four-person team. This year it's a little higher. They're they're all a little bit a little bit off, but we beat them three out of four games in position round a couple of weeks ago. They saw us last night and were telling us even before the game started, "We getting you back. We getting your ass. We are getting your ass because we know we are better than this, and we know that we lost three out of four to you two weeks ago, and we are going to get you back." And they did just that. They didn't just sweep us all four games. One of them bowled a 300 on us in the first game. Yes, oh the second God. time this year that somebody has bowled a 300 against us. They came for our ass. And somebody else on that team uh, started off six in a row in that first game, too. So they were absolutely locked in focus. Maybe this is the 49ers going to come out and be locked in and focus and get that win back in Arizona. Maybe this applies. Maybe I'm just completely full of shit. I don't know. But I'm taking the 49ers. Wow, yeah, I like how you brew the bowling alley. When you have two bad teams like that, you kind of got to, you know, dwell on your own <laughs> experience to try to figure out who you like better among two teams that have a combined two and twelve record between them. No, I, I am going to concur with you here and take the Forty ers I think they've they're bad. I think, but they're I think they're a better grade of bad than Arizona. Arizona's so bad. Patrick Peterson's uh, demanding to be traded. He's trying to jump ship. He yeah. he knows ship doesn't want to be around anymore wants to go somewhere and try to win a title he knows it's not going to happen anytime soon in arizona where in the other hand san francisco i mean well geez if they you know, jimmy garoppolo didn't get hurt that they had they, they were like 12th or 14th in the league for super bowl odds i mean it was pretty ridiculous what people were you know 
going out there saying that San Francisco was going to be capable of doing this year. It just, it, it was ridiculous. that you like, you and I were talking about, we wish we could have shorted the 49ers <laughs> before the season. Cause we, we, we'd have made a lot of money shorten the 49ers, but, in, but they've shown more, you, you know, we, we've made fun of their pieces. We've made fun of Marquise Goodwin and, and George Kittle and some of these guys that they're trotting around out there. George Kittle's been fucking balling this year. Yeah. He's been, but George Kittle has been quietly balling for a few years now. Yeah, I guess so, but he's I really mean, doing it this year. Attention to him because he's on teams that have been just absolute dog crap for the last few seasons. When was the last time the 49ers were any good? When they went to, since they went to the Super Bowl, they've been pretty bad. Yeah. After Harbaugh quit, uh, when Borland retired, half, you know, dude, Teal just like, I don't want to be on this team anymore. Yeah, remember Patrick Willis? He was a stud. Yeah. Well, I remember Patrick Willis laying on the ground with, like, a shattered leg. That's why I said he was a stud. <laughs> After he had just stripped the ball from Marshawn Lynch, and then yeah. they ruled him out a fumble, even though he had just pulled off on a, with a broken leg, one of the most amazing plays you'll ever see. But Marshawn Lynch did fumble the ball right back to him on the very next play. <laughs> so, so well, yeah, this is a long time ago that we're talking when the 49ers were relevant. And we talked about the San Francisco 49ers as, as being any good. And we knew Remember it was going to Bowman? He was real good. Yeah, we knew it was going to be. Was that Bowman who was laying on the ground or Willis? Yeah, no, that was Bowman. That was Bowman, that's right. Same, same, same guy as far as I'm concerned, right? <laughs> Interchangeable parts. Um, the Arizona Cardinals haven't been any good. We we knew they were going to be bad once once Carson Palmer got out and you know Bruce Arians and they had, they had their window. They they really had that window and it just seemed you know they'd get through a season and then Carson Palmer would get hurt and we we had to go through Ryan Lindley and Drew Stanton ah, and, ah. Oh, and, and how much how Ooh, much okay. of that so much wasted talent for some really good Arizona Cardinal teams and here we are. One in sixes, blah, blah, just a terrible game. But I, I, I do think that they, the, the arrow is actually more on the, the upswing for San Francisco than it is for Arizona. Arizona just got completely embarrassed at uh, at home by the Denver Broncos. And uh, I know the San Francisco 49ers don't possess the defense that the Broncos possess, but they'll move the ball. They're, they're, they'll deceptively move the ball. You stop playing the dun-dun-dun drop. I think C.J. Beathard has earned that. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll concur. Terrible game. The game that we would normally give in about 12 seconds to during a normal broadcast. But we're not going to be talking much more about the 49ers and the Cardinals. So, no. We're uh, – we're giving them their 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 proper send off. We're closing the casket in spooky fashion, and I'm going to give some love to the 49ers here. I, I I don't think that they will. I mean, they'll probably end up four and twelve or something pretty ugly like that. But they get their quarterback back next year, and 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 they could bounce back. They won't bounce back to to playoff relevance, but they'll be better. And again, props to Kyle Shanahan for whatever magic and voodoo that he's pulling off. The Niners are, despite being one and six, they're averaging five yards a carry as a team and 7.7 yards per throw as a team. They're still producing some numbers on offense. And yeah, you got to take them over Arizona because the Cardinals are dead last offense running the ball. 
uh, and next to last passing the ball when you talk about yards per game. I, I almost locked this one up. I really did. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, it's a bad game, but I, I could see this one being locked up. All right, our last highlight game, we will highlight the Buffalo Bills at 2-5 and five because we're certainly not going to talk about them and, and Derek Anderson too much more after this uh, this weekend is up. Now, the team they're playing is obviously not a, high, uh, a spooky Halloween team. It's the defending AFC champion New England Patriots, uh, but this should be, by most accounts, an ugly game. Uh, the point spread certainly indicates that it'll be ugly. It's uh, the biggest spread of the week by a mile. Uh, New England at five and two, one and two on the road though, and Buffalo at two and five, one and one at home. That New England one and two on the road, by the way, again, if they give up one more yard to Kevin White on a hail mary and go to overtime, who knows? It might be zero and three. So something to think about when you hear this point spread that. New England is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite on the road on Monday Night Football at the Buffalo Bills. Jason, what's your pick? Ah, we have a saying here. It isn't much less detailed. You know what that saying is? It's not enough. It's not enough. Oh, my God, it's not enough. I don't care how bad the Patriots are I, defensively. I don't care that it's on the road. I don't care that it's a division game. The Buffalo Bills are trotting out Derek Anderson, who just got annihilated by the Indianapolis Colts, 37 to five. And should he falter? Should the coach, should Sean McDermott go, "Ah, you know, I'm not really feeling it with Derek Anderson. He gets to go to captain pick six himself, Nathan Peterman. Oh Lord. I mean, if the Patriots can't cover this, I mean, we'll know you want to talk about a team. You want to really, you want to see something to know. I don't think it's going to be how they handle themselves in a close game or against like the bears defense. The, the Patriots have dominated their division. Oh, I, mean, I mean, like to a ridiculous degree. I mean, unlike any team, obviously they're, you know, this is a generational team as far as what they've been able to accomplish from a level of success during the regular season in their own division. They, they just completely annihilate these guys. I mean, we've seen it time and again. Every time somebody's going to step up and knock off the Patriots, Patriots just kind of kick them back down. Buffalo Bills aren't going to register any threat uh, to them. When I made this pick, I made it at a 15-point number, so 13-and-a-half, getting under the two-touchdown threshold. That's enough for me to lock it up. Yeah, I'm not surprised at that. Uh, but I'm going to give us a huge, huge reason to be watching this terrible, terrible game on Monday Night Football. New England's defense is trash, as I keep saying. We're taking the Bills to win. Sony Michelle's knee is all twisted up. I don't think he's going to be out there. Uh, I don't understand James White has been very impressive uh, running the ball, but New England's kind of running out of backs here because I don't think White can play all 60 minutes. Uh, we had – Rex Burkhead going down early in the season. Now we got Sonny Michelle going down. Uh, I, I understand New England destroys their, their division, and, and they just sun everybody in the division. The Dolphins, the Jets, the Bills, they all line up, and the Patriots just look at them all and go, son, we're better than every last one of you guys. But it's just something that, that doesn't feel right about this. This is a 13-and-a-half-point spread on the road at Buffalo, a team that's going to be uh, – the stadium's going to be rocking and rolling. Uh, 
it's Monday Night Football in Buffalo, which is a very rare uh, occurrence. Uh, you know, they're, the the fans at least are going to be ready, even if the team isn't all that much ready. Derek Anderson looking like complete shit in his very first game uh, starting in I don't know how many years is completely understandable. For him to make a comeback and play much better the next game against the Patriots defense that will allow you to do that, that, that seems to sort of make sense. The Bills aren't going anywhere this year, of course. This is why it's a, it's a Halloween game, because we're not going to talk about the Bills uh, after this. But there's just something that feels like this is a, a moment for the Bills to, to sort of rise up and give one. This is going to be their Super Bowl, obviously. Uh, and and the, the Patriots, just every time I see them, I, I, I'm just so unimpressed by uh, how their defense plays. It really is all about a terrible defense because their offense was, was, was amazing. What they, their, their first driving in Chicago was so precision and so impressive. Uh, it really is impressive how they operate their offense every year. They just start a little slow and then work their way uh, up into running like a machine, which is what they're doing right now. But again, this game to me with that spread, such a, an insulting spread at home on Monday night, it just feels like something I had to – I had to lock it the other way. I'm taking Buffalo. I'm taking all those points, and that's my lock because I don't imagine the Patriots destroying the Bills on Monday night, and they're in their place like that uh, with, the, with the defense playing as, as terrible as they are. I bet Derek Anderson makes a second-half comeback through the air, and I bet he throws for like 300 yards in this game uh, with, with no receivers because that's how bad the, the, the New England defense is. So, yeah, I'll take all you, those points, and I'll lock have, it do up. Any, do you have any stats for this? That would really make me feel better. Uh, the Bills are dead last in passing uh, in the NFL. They're they're, <laughs> they're averaging five point four yards a throw, which is just disgustingly okay. bad. Um, and but they're playing the Patriots D, so I, I bet Derek Anderson throws for three for three hundred. He he very well very well throw for three hundred, but I, I just this 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 reeks of. 34-13, 34-16, like Buffalo's kicking field goals and the Patriots are scoring touchdowns. And, they, you know, they, they, they do that four times and there's your cover. There's a 28-12 to 12 victory there, right? You know, I mean, I, I could easily see this game being competitive into the second quarter just because the game's tied. And it takes a little time for a team to come out. Uh, this isn't this isn't going to be that Buffalo team that went and uh, you know like you know it went and upset the the Vikings or went and whipped the Packers. Um, you know Josh Allen's not there. McCoy's been gone. It's Derek Anderson's just terrible. He he showed nothing. They, they they got they got blown out by thirty two by a bad Colts team. So okay, it'd be fun, but we haven't. We don't get them very often, but it's always fun when we have dueling locks. It is. It's, it's a reason to watch Monday night that there, there's no reason to be watching, but I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to be watching because I'm the house is going to be empty because my wife's actually going out of town herself. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll... Monday actually was the next, the next seven days uh, here. Monday's the only day I actually work a half shift. So Monday I'll be driving home listening to that game on the radio. And so it'll be, it'll be quite interesting. You actually gave me a reason to watch that game. Now 
<laughs> because it's not just because we disagree. That that's big part of it. But now it's like, what are we seeing? What 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 do you see that I don't see, and what do I see that you don't see? That is, I think that's what each of us is looking for. And then we'll come back and sort of compare notes. That's that's the joy yeah. of it. That is the that is the beauty of uh, of what we do here every week. So eighteen minutes for the rest of these games and much less detail, but, but actually, that's actually pretty pretty leisurely paced now. There's a lot but, of bias. Actually, well, it's a little more detail for these games because these are the decent games this week, including right. some real good ones. So uh, I, I believe we're going to have to go rapid fire again and then get into these games in the after show because uh, we're going to get caught up on discussing like, uh, let's see, uh, yeah, the Rams Packers might be more decent than people think. The Vikings uh, Saints game is certainly going to be pretty good. So I'm sure we'll uh, get into a lot more discussion on these games. So we'll try to go uh more rapid fire in these and, and make sure we get all the picks in live and then uh, get down into them a little more in the after show. So we'll start off in England with our final uh, British game of the year. There's three in a row and then uh, they'll be done with that, but there'll be one more game in Mexico uh, in a few weeks, of course, that uh, Rams chiefs game that everybody's looking forward to. Uh, but as far as tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, Sunday morning, uh, in London, it's going to be the Eagles and the Jaguars. The funniest part about this game was that if the Eagles and Jaguars could have held up their their end last week and won their games, that they would both be four and three instead of three and four. And therefore, that would have been the very first London game in all of these London games featuring two winning teams. Of course, both of them shit the bed, and now wow. it's going to be two losing teams at three and yeah. four. So that's that's, that's what you get, London. I, I guess that's uh, you, you get the football that you deserve, unfortunately. Uh, but anyway, Sunday morning is another early game, but at least both these teams are, are Eastern time zone teams, so maybe it won't be so bad on them. But uh, the world champion Eagles struggling along at three and four. The uh, AFC conference title game uh, participants, the Jaguars, struggling along at three and four, and their quarterback Blake Bortles is in his feelings. Um, Philadelphia is actually the favorite in this uh, neutral site game. They, uh, even though it's supposed to be a Jacksonville home game, Philadelphia gives three points versus Jacksonville in London. Yeah. Interesting game here because we talk about these two teams are, you know, they have losing records, but I don't look at them as losing teams. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I look at them as teams that are struggling, but I, I don't think when we look up at the end of the season that either one of these teams is going to have a losing record. I, I think they're better than than what they're uh, what they've indicated so far. Jacksonville on this three game stretch here, is, their offense has just completely disappeared. Their defense was getting gashed for forty uh, in back to back weeks, and and you know, and some of that's also a function of the fact that the offense has been so inept, but. We'll see if Bortles reacts to the benching last week because he was immediately renamed the starter for this game. And sometimes you have to live through that little bit of embarrassment, you know. Also came out that he's going to be on a short leash. So we're going to see. We're really going to see how much uh, how much pressure he, he can uh, operate under. On the other side, you got the Eagles, who've been maddeningly, maddeningly inconsistent, you know, Nick Foles. Uh, rightfully lost that job back to Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz still hasn't really gotten rolling, and we we pointed that out with our uh, with the breakdown of the game against the uh, 
Carolina Panthers, you know, the, the hyper-aggressive play calling, the lack of a lack of any kind of a running game. It's been a really interesting season for both of these teams. And now they get to go to play to London, which is where, like, you can throw everything out the window because you just never know what the hell is going to happen in London. Um, these teams are dealing with different travel, time zones. Another game that they're playing at what, 8.30 in the morning, our time, which is going to be, you know, they're playing at a more normal time in London, but I liked it when they did it a few weeks ago where they started at noon with everybody else here in our time zone, which meant that they were starting a little later. It's going to be a really weird game, I think, from the get-go, but two good defenses, two offenses struggling to find their way. This isn't going to be like sort of to like go along and parallel the pick I made with the Raiders, but I'm going to take the Jags and give and and take the points actually i'll take the jags as a quote-unquote home dog and i didn't really do a good job (laughs) rapid fire i gotta watch myself here (laughs) right yeah i understand i will uh say that it was a tough pick uh, for me as well because they're both uh so struggling and and so downtrodden so i had to go into a little extra stats and what i noticed was try to be brief about it but the Eagles, I don't know what's going on with their defensive line. This was one of their big strengths, but all of a sudden in the last three weeks, they went from giving up 3.4 yards a carry on the season to now 4.5. They started to get gashed on the ground for, for some reason, and the Jaguars, for all their struggles, are still maintaining the number one pass defense in football. By yards per game, they're still number one. I will concur with you and take Jacksonville. I think the, they'll do some damage on the ground with uh, T.J. Yeldon and, and run over the Eagles. I promise you here now. I forgot we were in rapid fire because it, it felt like a highlight game. Exactly. Cause we're supposed to break that game down. Cause trouble. it's actually this is interesting. The Halloween trouble. See that this is, this is it, right. it's spooky. It's messing us up. Okay. I'll go quickly now. <laughs> All right. Back to stateside games on Sunday, uh, Seattle at Detroit, couple of three and three teams. The three is the magic number. Seattle is a three point underdog at Detroit. Yeah, Seattle's been sneaky good, uh, and so have the Lions. And it's pretty well cop-out type line here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the home team Lions and uh, give the points. I'll concur uh, for a little bit of a sneaky reason that Seattle has been finding their way on the ground, uh, much improved running offense, just in time for Detroit to trade with another tanking team, the Giants, uh, for Snacks Harrison in the middle, the big man, uh, manning the defensive line. He hopefully will be active for Detroit, but they did make that trade uh, just in time to try to stop Seattle, uh, who's been running well. So I think that meshes up perfectly, and I will take Detroit uh, along with you and give the three. Uh, it's Cleveland and Pittsburgh, that's another uh, rematch already uh, because in week one, of course, the Steelers had a 21-7 lead and wound up somehow tied uh, at the end 21-21. So Cleveland now at 2-4-1, they're an eight-point underdog on the road at the three-two-and-one Steelers. And nobody plays down to their competition better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Give me the Browns, all the points. Yeah, I totally understand that. I got a feeling about this one that the the Steelers are going to try to get something back for that tie. They they got to feel like that was a, <laughs> an opportunity that slipped out of their hands. So I think that if they are going to be motivated, this would be the time to do it. So I think the Steelers are going to smash them. Uh, Chicago is hosting the New York Jets. Uh, the three and four Jets are seven and a half point underdogs at the three and three Bears. 
Yeah, I think this is where the Bears take out a little bit of that frustration from that loss to New England when they clearly outplayed. Give me the Bears squish. I concur. Big class drop with the Jets coming in after what the Patriots did. I don't think Sam Darnold is going to do to the Bears what Tom Brady was doing, so I will uh, agree on that. Uh, Tampa Bay goes to Cincinnati. The 3-3 three and three Bucks are four-point underdogs at the 4-3 and three Bengals. Yeah, Cincinnati's uh, they got a winning record so far in Tampa Bay since Jameis Winston took over for Fritz Magic. It's, it, it hasn't been going so well. I mean, I think the Bengals are just the better team. I'll give the points. They probably are, but I can't shake, and we didn't talk about it, the, about the Week 7 recap, but I can't shake how bad the uh, Bengals defense looked against the Chiefs. I understand the Chiefs are fucking awesome. I know. But what did I say about playing the Steelers? That it, it's a blood sport, and you come out of it just so beat up and hurt. The, the Bengals defense looked like a team that just came from a, from a car wreck. Uh, the way they were just getting ran past in the open field and they couldn't tackle anybody on the Chiefs. Again, the, the Chiefs are great. I get it. But I, I think the, the Bengals are still hurting and still beat up from that Steelers game. Uh, and I'll give them another game to sort of recover from that. And, and I think Tampa will come in and uh, win the game. And even if they don't, they can cover four points. So I will actually take the Buccaneers then. Baltimore right. versus uh, Carolina. Uh, this spread uh, confused me, I guess. Uh, which probably gives away my pick, but uh, the four and three Ravens are two point favorites on the road at the four and two Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Well, it took a furious comeback from the Panthers. The Ravens had to play the saints uh, lost in kind of fluky. Uh, it's never happened before kind of way. I, 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 I kind of understand the spread because I took the Ravens. Oh, there you go. I got the Panthers. I think that's uh, definitely disrespectful of what the Panthers and, and the Panthers are uh, not hard game. to are not game. easy to predict or, or easy to understand. So I, I guess I get it in that respect. But still, if you're at if you're four and two and you're at home, and the team you're playing is four and three, for you to be the underdog, that that four and three team better be like Tom Brady and the Patriots, or else it's kind of disrespectful. And and the Ravens are not the Patriots at all. So. That's why I was confused by that spread. You shouldn't be underdogs at home at four and two. Uh, so I will take the Panthers in that one. Washington and the Giants uh, in the EF, in the NFC East. Uh, is this a division rematch? I don't believe they played it. Oh, they, uh, yeah, week four. No, I, I wrote that in the wrong spot. No, this is not a rematch. This is their first uh, meeting. I was looking at the Kansas City-Denver game. That's a rematch, but I wrote it in the Washington Giants space, which is uh, incorrect, of course. But anyway, no, this is not a rematch. This is a division matchup for the first time this year, and it's the 4-2 and two Redskins. How about this for some disrespect? 4-2 and two Washington, one-point underdogs on the road at the 1-6 and six New York Giants. And uh, you already mentioned one of the Giants' trades this week starting to sell off the pieces. They also traded Eli Apple. They're in full-blown tank mm-hmm. mode. they will take the Redskins' squish. The public uh, doesn't think so. The public actually has the Giants still favored uh, very, very slightly. That. Uh, that's also a very odd line. However, I'm taking the Giants because I don't oh, believe no. in the Redskins. Yeah, you've been down uh, on the Redskins. You're going to the playoffs. You, you, you were not with me on that. I know that. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. And they, and they may still make it. 
Jets. Uh, so, no, it's okay. I, I get those Redskins to five and two. They, they're, they, they've been sneaky. They have, and Adrian Peterson has been stunningly uh, effective so far this year. That's going to end. I don't know when, but that's going to end as well. So, hopefully for me, it'll be in this game. Dave, uh, there's a Denver-Kansas City game that I was uh, about to get into a little bit. Uh, that's a rematch of week four where Kansas City uh, held on at Denver 27-23. I remember we talked about that was going to be the big test for uh, uh, Pat Mahomes and that offense. Can they go into that environment uh, and, and survive? And that's what they did. However, they were bigger favorites than four, so they didn't cover the spread. So uh, definitely had that pick right. Uh, so this one, Denver on the road, going to Kansas City, of course, will be the big underdog. Uh, three and four, Denver is plus ten at six and one, Kansas City. I mean, yeah, so that's a big number here. I'm just uh, playing a hunch and taking the points this week. Denver played them pretty tough. Kansas City had to come back uh, to beat mm-hmm. them. Time Denver's going to present some defensive challenges for them. Uh, Kansas City's defense is terrible. So the, the Denver offense moving the football, I don't think is going to be a major problem. I could I could see Kansas City here winning a shootout. Uh, I agree. Uh, Kansas City's defense is terrible. Uh, Kansas City's offense was awesome on Sunday night, and they keep being awesome every week. You just that's got to end at some point because otherwise they're just going to set records all over the place. Um, so yeah, maybe Denver will come in and. and put a little bit of the, of the breaks on the crazy offense that Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are, are putting up. Uh, it's unbelievable the way they're playing. That game uh, uh, against uh, Cincinnati on Sunday night. So the second half, they're, they're already up 24-7, to 7 and they come out with like this play-action bomb to, to Sammy Watkins for 51 or 52 yards uh, with, with somebody – hanging on. I think Carlos Dunlap trying to hang on Pat Mahomes arm the whole time. And he just bears it out anyway, uh, because that's just what they do uh, because they just go for the juggler all the time. And I turned the game off at that point. Cause it's like, th- th- there's no coming back. There's, if that's what they're going to do to open the second half, then the Bengals are just, they're not just done. They're Brady Quinn done. If they're going to, if you're going to do that to open the second half, forget about it. So, I understand the the Chiefs' offense is crazy good, but Denver maybe has their number a little bit, so we'll, we'll see. But we're agreeing on that one. Uh, here's the Packers-Rams game that I was talking about. It's everyone's talking about because of the point spread, because this is the biggest uh, underdog spread in the career of Aaron Rodgers uh, with the Packers. Uh, Rodgers and the Pack at three, two, and one are nine and a half point underdogs. Yeah. It's a good reason to be this big underdog because you're playing an undefeated team that looks like they're as awesome as anybody. The seven and zero Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, the Rams defense looked like they'd kind of taken a few weeks off, and then they they showed back up this last week again. Uh, you know, sometimes you get a team they kind of hit that little mid season low. I, I don't think they're going to have a problem handling the Packers. The Packers defense is terrible. And the Los Angeles Rams undefeated, best one of the best offenses in the league. I think they handle the Packers by ten, no problem. That's what most people seem to think. I guess I've uh, grudgingly given the respect to Aaron Rodgers that he's. Uh, I guess maybe he deserves uh, I, that injury against the Bears. Still, I, I thought he was like done for the year, honestly. Yeah, and and, and came back from that. 
so the three week uh, trend stat that I was looking at that uh, the Packers were uh, still passing at 7.2 yards per throw. And now they've actually moved up uh, in the last three weeks up to 7.8. So uh, they were 14th in yards per game and uh, through the air three weeks ago. Now they're fourth. So hobbled one legged Aaron Rodgers is leading the uh, fourth best uh, passing offense in yards per game. I don't know how the hell he's doing it. He's got receivers coming in and out of the lineup that are hurt. Uh, got kids playing that you never heard of that you can't even name because they're complete unknowns and he's still getting it done. I, I don't know how he's doing it. I think it's going to be a complete back and forth shootout in the Coliseum. I, I love the over, whatever the over under is. I, I got the over. Um, and I think that nine and a half is just slightly disrespectful to what Rogers has been able to do this year, even though the Rams have been great. Uh, so I'm going to take the nine and a half points and say that uh, they lose the game by like eight or, or seven, something like that. Went by 11. So, so we both, <laughs> we're, we're just right on the other side of that number. Cause I was the number that I keep seeing is like 31, 20, you know, something like that. Don't forget right. that, pass, that pass rush is going to be getting after Aaron Rodgers. That offensive line is still terrible. It is, but Rodgers should be used to that. He's been running for his yep. life for ten, 10 years now. Okay. Uh, I got 40 to 31. I think it's just going to be an absolute shootout. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, Sunday Sunday night football uh, will be New Orleans and Minnesota. This, I see this as another Styles clash that the Saints have to go to another tough defense. This is the Vikings. Uh, but the Vikings haven't been so tough this year. Uh, but New Orleans at five and one, only a one point underdog at the four two and one Vikings. Yeah, we normally would have given this a full breakdown, but I'll give you all the breakdown you need. It's Drew Brees against Kirk Cousins. I'm <laughs> gonna take Drew Brees. I'll take the Saints. I concur, uh, but I'm very hesitant on this one because I'm I'm calling for basically for, for the Saints and Breeze to go into two tough defenses, two tough environments on the road and pull out pull out wins in both situations is asking a lot, but I'm gonna trust uh like I said, I like the 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 strategy that they had last week. I think they'll use a All right, 90 minutes live, and now into our VIP after show. So, yeah, uh, really good games this week uh, that we will we did highlight talk or talk about a little more uh, in the after show if you if you would like to do that. Yeah, I mean, but is, there, is there one that's just like kind of gnawing at you that you'd really like to I – mean, we, we kind of highlighted, you know, uh, Philly Jacksonville sort of by mistake. Right. Sort of lost track. It's late. I had a long week of work, you know. We kind of highlighted Green Bay and the the Rams a little bit. We kind of broke down what what we think is going to happen in that one. So the the key for us is highlight bad games. Then we actually leave ourselves enough time in the after show to, you know, to spend a little time on the other games, I guess. It also helps that there's bye weeks. That's right. We only have uh, 14 games to talk about, or uh, 13 if you don't count yeah. tonight's game. 
Right. Yep, the Fal- Falcons, Cowboys, Chargers, and Titans are on by this week. Yeah. So. Yeah. So well, the Saints Vikings game where we just left off uh, is uh, New Orleans uh, going into Minnesota, and and as I was saying, Minnesota's defense is usually very very stout, but not so much this year because for yeah. some reason they've fallen off defending the pass. Um, they're giving up 8.2 yards per throw right now. They were giving up 9.2 yards per throw three weeks ago, so technically that's an improvement, but that's still very, very high for them. Uh, I'm sure part of it is Everson Griffin missing and, and the pass rush not being uh, what it usually is. Uh, but the uh, the cornerbacks have not been uh, – the, sec- the secondary has been struggling. They've had some injuries as well. Andrew Sandejo uh, has been hurt. Uh, so I, I just think New England's, uh I think Drew Brees can take advantage of, of that almost any time he wants. He can just, uh, whatever the score is, whatever the situation is, if he needs to go up top to Michael Thomas, he'll just do that. I don't think the Vikings are offering too much resistance right now. But I think uh, to set that up, I think the Saints will go uh, possession and, and time and using the, the clock and grinding it out um, and, and putting uh, uh, their two – very good running backs, uh, Mark Ingram and and uh, yeah, it's late. I'm I'm drawing a blank on the the amazing other running back that they have, Alvin Kamara. Uh, I, I think they'll put them to work and and using the clock and grinding things down, um, and, and keeping Kirk Cousins off the field. And, and I think that's uh, I think that's the way to go because obviously when Cousins is on the field, he's going to just throw to. Uh, Adam Thielen, and, and no one can stop that right now. No, it's, it's amazing. No one can stop Adam Thielen. There's no way anyone came into the season saying, "Oh God, no one can stop Adam Thielen." Nobody was saying that, but uh, but that's uh, that's how it's been. But I, I think uh, the Saints are going to use a similar strategy to, to how they beat the, the the Ravens, which is just keep the ball, uh, don't let the other team get it, and, and because we know what the other team can do offensively. So that's why I have the Saints. Yeah, and also, too, they're going to be going into a dome, uh, you know, playing in a much more friendly environment, unlike having to go outside in Baltimore. So th- this helps to favor, I think, the, the Saints as well. You know, Saints, yes. I think also, oh, the Vikings a little bit, don't you think? I, I've got a feeling they kind of remember the last time they played up there. I wasn't going to bring it up because I've been harping on it, but yes, uh, springboarding the, the Saints into uh, a, a great second half of the season and a Super Bowl run, which is what I predicted uh, way back in February, uh, I, I think that's what this game will do. I think this will sort of wipe the taste out of their mouths a little bit of what happened last year. They'll get a little bit of that revenge, and they'll go from here and, and really uh, turn it up a notch in the second half. Yeah, exercise those demons, right? I mean, no case anymore, but it's still just that's being there (laughs) and having gone through that and losing in probably the most heartbreaking fashion I've ever seen a team lose, also giving us a ridiculously cheap cover, I believe. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, over under on the uh, maudlin video package before Sunday night football harping on the events of, yeah. of the playoffs last year, uh, over under five minutes. Oh, uh, oh yeah. With the, yeah. And they'll cut to the, some, some blonde haired chick or Michelle Tafoya sitting there interviewing a couple of the guys from each team, you know, sitting there lined up. 
right? Is that what we're talking? PJ Williams, how did that make you feel? Oh, man. Well, you know, he's he's destined for the Hall of Infamy. <laughs> That's a very infamous play. <laughs> he's he ain't never getting into the real thing. <laughs> I yeah, still it's, could it's... say that he was trying to avoid hitting the guy early because I thought he was there early. Uh, I don't I... think. That it's it makes sense, uh, but also sometimes guys just fuck up and miss tackles uh, and, and miss them really badly. You <laughs> didn't even get an arm on him. No, just missed everything. Just completely whiffed. It, it happens. Want to hit the defenseless receiver up in the air? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, man. Yeah, that that, that made not that made me. That that actually made me jump up off my couch. <laughs> that may be the explanation, but it's still uh, it, whatever the reason. It's there on tape for forever and ever and ever that you had a chance to tackle this dude and and put the season away, keep him in bounds, let the clock run out, and not only did you not tackle him at all, uh, not only did you not tackle him in bounds, you didn't tackle him at all, and he just ran away and and won the game. And that's, that's and on I, you, dude. We'll never truly know because I don't think the the player is just gonna you know fall on his sword and take take his for the team, right? Sure. Yeah, my responsibility. I, I just screwed up. It was my assignment. I you know yeah he, he's not gonna try to make excuses. He's not gonna say it's the rules or. So you know he will never truly know. I just know that the one the, the up the sideline replay of that if you ever see it because everybody's know everybody knows the one from the sideline. But the from the end zone view of that play, I really thought that told a different story. So I'm I'm, I'm going conspiracy theory here. You know, tinfoil hat. Uh, it's not that far fetched. It is certainly uh, when you look at it, you really are are struggling to try to figure out why he has why a guy lined up like that and just totally <laughs> doesn't touch him. Yeah, he, and it's not like Stefan Diggs wasn't doing anything but jumping straight up in the air. So the guy had to know where he was. He had him. He had him. There's there's nowhere else for him to go. He he couldn't really juke to avoid you because then he'd be out of bounds. So he's right there. I also didn't see this the the view of the end zone of him laying on the ground with the money sticking out of his back pocket. Well, that's now that would be tinfoil hat. That would totally be we got the the uh taking the bribe in order to not make the tackle at the end of the game. That would uh I don't know about that. <laughs> we I didn't see Earl Hebner anywhere in the vicinity either. Yeah, that another another one of those references uh that always comes up on this show. The the twin referees with the money sticking out of their pocket. It could have been a few of those twin referees. I was waiting for a couple of uh, twin referees to run out tonight during this Texans-Dolphins game. Yeah, I had it off because I needed to concentrate on this 90-minute show and try not to sound in, like an idiot. But don't turn it back. Don't turn it back on. <laughs> Lost. Oh. Uh, it's 42-23. Oh, no. Yeah. Sean Watson has five touchdown passes. Really? And I and I, I don't think I need any debate about this anymore. DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in football. 
Ooh, hot take. Hot take, but DeAndre Hopkins is just, he's, a, he's the man. He's doing it with nobody for most of his career, and he still puts up the numbers. I'm with him on that. But he said that uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. You know, it was like, look, look at what I've been doing with these guys. I mean, he was just calling, not Deshaun Watson, but the guys before him. He's right. produced with everybody. Yeah, Tom Savage and Brock Osweiler and some of the garbage QBs make- has been throwing to him. Yeah. The catches he makes, the speed, the burst. Uh, yeah, he's the best receiver in football. Uh, he's the man. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, he's certainly on that list of the top uh, in, in football. It's all you can ask for. Be in the conversation. The uh, announcer's uh, Joe Buck, who sound, sounded almost as sleepy as me, um, but before I turned the game off, he was going on about the uh, the class that Hopkins plays with. He was ignoring those comments that he made, uh, but he was talking about how quiet he is. He's a quiet superstar, and he goes about his business and doesn't say anything, uh, which is tr- which is true 95% of the time. By wide receiver standards, that's true. Yeah, yeah, by by diva wide receiver standards, right. And actually, what uh, when he was saying that, what went through my mind was uh, it's a little bit of Megatron there. There's a little bit of Calvin Johnson. He just goes in and balls and makes plays and doesn't really say much. Which is which is refreshing these days. It is. I mean, you know, we've already gone past the point of tastelessness. I mean, where you have the the guy who goes out there and does the sack dance when when his team is losing by forty. <laughs> or if you're around the Bears, you do the sag dance when you're losing, and you blow your knee out jumping up in the air. That's also <laughs> infamous. That's called pulling a grammatica. Yes. But I was—I uh, I guess I was speaking a little bit to your point that if you bring up quiet receiver, and what flashes in my mind is Calvin Johnson. That doesn't that doesn't happen when you bring up any quad receiver. You have to be of a certain level for me to think of that, and that's what DeAndre Hopkins does. He just balls and pulls down every pass. He's got that very wide catching radius. Uh, he just does what he has to do and makes it look easy and doesn't really say anything most of the time, uh, which is why the the Calvin Johnson comp came up in my head. So you got to be one of the top receivers in the league if I think of you uh, in that respect. Yeah, Brock Osweiler is doing his best to lead the comeback, but uh, 30, 29 seconds left to go, and they're down 19. I, it wouldn't surprise me if you somehow still got a cover, because that's just your move. But <laughs> I don't see happening here. That would be an all-timer. Yeah, yeah, you know, I haven't gotten off to a good start on a Thursday night yet this week, yet this year. So this, I am feeling good. I get a win to start the week. And you do it taking the home team despite the huge spread, which is usually my move. So congratulations on that. Hey. This is what I sh- what I should have done. Yeah, you, you went with Brock Osweiler. That that's what you got. To, you you rolled with that guy. That's what I get. I absolutely deserve to get fucked by Brock Osweiler by taking him. I don't have any excuse about making the pick too early because <laughs> usually we make the pick on like a Tuesday. Right. I didn't make this pick till today. Because we all, so people know we picked this game before the game. Our tweets have been up. If you follow us on Twitter, you already know what our pick was for that game. I, I sent Andre a tweet this uh, early this afternoon, picking a 30-20 final. 
I, I hashtagged enough stuff that it's out there that you could hashtag the game. You could hashtag Thursday night football. You can check Andre or myself. I picked the Texans. And a few hours later, Andre responded and took the Dolphins. Yeah, I took that hook. I thought that hook would uh, would, would be would work for me, and uh, no, didn't didn't work out. It's all right. It looked like you would get that cover there for a while. The way that officiating was yeah. going, <laughs> that game was what tw- you know thirty, you know twenty twenty eight twenty three. I believe it was when they got uh, the Danny Amendola touchdown pass. Yeah, you missed that. I missed that. I watched nothing in the second half. I stopped watching at halftime. But in the first half, the Dolphins had the lead and looked like they were uh, on their way to taking down Houston. The, the Texans were not protecting uh, uh, Deshaun Watson again, and that's why I was so shocked when you told me he has five touchdowns. I'm like, how? He's uh, He's got to run for his life almost every drop back. So. Here's Deshaun Watson does. and This is what he did a little bit of what we saw at him last year. It's like he's starting to look healthy. So I think Houston now they moved to five and three. They're clearly in control of that division. Um, he was he, he's running for his life, but he will stop at the line of scrimmage and just heave. Even though there's a running lane, like he could keep going and probably run for the first down. There's several times in this game, he he stopped short a yard or two just short of the line of scrimmage for the long gainer versus just tucking it and running and getting 10 yards on the ground. And in almost every circumstance, he made the big play. And if one of your targets is Nuke Hopkins, then you can stop and throw, and he'll just catch it no matter where you throw it. You see Will Fuller go out um, in this game holding his knee. Not So that was not a good Stunner. development. But earlier in the game, Will Fuller torched them for like a 70-yard touchdown bomb. Yes, and then he got hurt because that's his move. That's what Will Fuller does. Mm-hmm. So that was me. Uh, let me see here. Give you the what was that? Will Fuller. That was uh, that was a seventy-three yard touchdown. That was the response. Okay, so after Danny Amendola threw the touchdown pass, then that made it twenty-one seventeen. You were looking pretty good. Um. Then Will Fuller catches a 73-yard touchdown pass. Miami gets a field goal. So they go into the fourth quarter, 28-20. You know, so we're right there. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, then it all fell apart. <laughs> 43-yard touchdown pass to DeAndre Hopkins, another Miami field goal, and then another touchdown pass to DeAndre Hopkins. Oh. So that's how you end up with uh, a 42-23 game. Brock Osweiler – Throws for 241, a 6.5 yards per attempt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's about what he does. Sean Watson goes 16 for 20 for 239 for 12 <laughs> per attempt with five touchdowns and no picks. So I got beat because I took the clearly much worse talent on the field. So, yeah, that's all on me. And Lamar Miller uh, threw in 133 yards rushing just for good measure. Nice. Uh, yeah, on 18 runs. So, yeah, Houston just – they whooped them. So, so here's Houston, five and three. And I had Houston – actually had all three of those teams from that division in the playoffs. Well, two of them are – 
struggling pretty mightily, and one is has turned it around from an 0-3 start. So that's I, that, that's just eight games in that division. It's a lot of activity. So who knows what the hell is going to happen in the second half? But I, I like seeing Houston getting going because I think we appreciated what Deshaun Watson was last year. We did, but I was afraid that he was never going to get back to that again because that's how bad his protection has been this year. It's literally been the worst protection in football. Do yourself a favor and watch the highlight package. All right. You can sling it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy that he did overcome that because he wasn't overcoming it in the first half. Yeah, so we are off the air now till I want to say Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Or Wednesday, because usually something happens, we got to reschedule. Tuesday, Tuesday really does work the best for me because that's right in the middle of this vacation period. And if I do it Wednesday at ten, I then go back to work on Thursday. So I was like, eh, you know, I'd rather do this while I'm still in the middle of my vacation. Sure, I completely understand that. Comes up for either one of us, which um, I'm hoping nothing comes up. Hopefully, nothing major. Uh, then this will be a. Uh, this will be a Tuesday. Now the week after that, which would be the November 6th, that will be a Wednesday night show because I am back on the road with my mom again for hospital stuff. So hmm. that'll be a November 7th recap show on a Wednesday night. I also don't want to recap on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be busy. You got kids, so you'll, you'll be busy on Halloween. It, yeah, I, I mean, obviously I could still make the show because my kids are in bed at, you know, eight. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so everything for me is pointing towards a, a Tuesday night recap show. It's going to feel weird because we're going, you know, long stretch here between shows. That's right. And it reminds me to uh, update on what's going to be happening at the uh, end of the year as yeah. far as my little trip goes. We got uh, complete change in plans. Uh, that the the family kind of backed out of the big family trip that we had planned. I, I guess they, I, I think most people got a little scared hearing about all the hurricane news down in Mexico. So whatever the situation was, they, they backed out. I think they're going to go to some water park up there in Wisconsin uh, near where you guys are. Hey, um, probably something like that. But uh, you know, as much as I love my family, I kind of had my mind on the Caribbean for Christmas all year, and all of a sudden we're going to go to Wisconsin in December. No, I, I really wasn't. I, I wasn't down for that. I'm sorry. So my wife and I sort of made a snap decision, and all of a sudden we're going on another cruise. So okay. we just decided, yeah, just me and her are going to go. Uh, we're going to go out of New Orleans and go to Mexico ourselves. It's just going to be us, and uh, so that weekend now is the uh, the weekend of Christmas. Will be uh, that's going to have to be a Thursday show because Friday is when we're driving to New Orleans, and Saturday is when we're getting on the boat. And so that'll be no recap uh, the week after that because we won't until Thursday. No problem. So that's how, yeah, so that's how that's going to work. Yeah. So you'll have to have go down to New Orleans, get some beignets. Do yourself a favor. I. Don't know how much we're going to be able to eat and tear up New Orleans. Uh, just driving down there for one night. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best. We'll do. Uh, we'll have favor and get some beignets. <laughs> either, we'll, either 
the, the Cafe Du Monde, Cafe Beignet. You got to go to one of those places. Before you get on that boat, have yourself some beignet. Have you been to New Orleans before? We, neither one of us have ever been to New Orleans. Damn it, man. Get some beignets. <laughs> and that night, go get yourself like a big po'boy sandwich or something. You're trying to have us roll onto the boat. <laughs> the only good thing about New Orleans was the food. <laughs> I hated uh, everything about New Orleans, but I loved the food. Really? <laughs> yeah. It, it, New Orleans and San Francisco are easily my two favorite food cities. I mean, I know I'm from Chicago. Chicago has its niche. They do things better than anybody else. But everything, and I mean everything I had in New Orleans and San Francisco was a, was dynamite. Uh, the wife and I have been planning to eat our way through New Orleans for a long time. Uh, but we just didn't plan for it to be one night and then going on a cruise. So it's a little yeah. different than how we uh, how we envisioned it. So I don't know exactly what we're going to do as far as food goes that one night. But uh, your your uh, advisement of beignets has, has been duly noted. Yeah. You have to get up for breakfast and have some beignets and some coffee. I don't I don't know if you're a coffee guy, but I am. I've become one over the years. Yeah. You, you, well, you remember me. I mean, it was like oh yeah, wake up coffee. That that's, that that hasn't changed. Mhm. I, mean, I could I, buy half open, <laughs> stagger into the coffee machine. That that's that's still what I'm doing. So yeah, me and the me and the family are heading down Chicago tomorrow for uh, two nights. So that'll be fun. We're gonna have a fun little weekend down there. It's gonna be some sort of uh, uh, like comic fest or Transformers fest I, or something that you guys are going to. Fun is a giant. I mean, my son is a four-year-old. He he lives and breathes Transformers. And uh, much like his old man did when he when I was young. Back in my day. It's like his favorite thing. It's, it's fun to see a lot of this stuff from when I was a kid is like what my kids like. It, it's, which is amazing that, it's, that a lot of this stuff has endured for so long and it's multiple, you know, iterations. But, Dad, they, I, my, one of my... Uh, one of my coworkers, one of my friends at work, had pointed out the fact to me that there was going to be a, a like a Transformers convention at one of the hotels. And I was like, "Oh, that sounds cool!" And my kids don't have any school the, the, these two days here, Thursday, Friday. I took a couple of vacation days, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to drive down to Chicago tomorrow, take them over there, go check that out for a few hours, and then do Chicago stuff for the rest of the weekend. How's the weather going to be this weekend? 50. Okay. Drizzle, cloudy. I mean, yeah, we're thinking about taking them downtown. We're going to park and ride, so we're going to get to experience the train. Oh, cool. Yeah. The, well, the train is a very cool experience if you don't go to certain neighborhoods. It's been a blast. Yeah, no. it'll be, be great so long as you don't go past 35th. No, 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 no. We're 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 gonna go park out by uh, O'Hare. You know, go park oh, out there. Oh, okay. We'll take the blue line down. Okay. That's pretty safe. I mean, that was my way to school every day. You know, going from Harlem, and then running around uh, through the loop, and then kicking back out the other side over by Young. So that was always a that was always an easy ride, decent ride. Yeah, but I got familiar with it on uh, where I was living. Uh, right and, before I moved, uh, Blue Line, you know, which we, which I grew up was the O'Hare, uh, gives you the, gives you the, it gives you every 
Chicago train experience because you're you're in between the Kennedy for a while, then you are elevated, and then your subway, and then you're elevated again, and then your subway down to so so you get the whole experience of being on the L.A. and on the subway. Well, I thought you were going to talk about the whole experience as far as the people goes, because the red line, actually uh, the Dan Ryan line, uh, that gives you the experience of the full breadth of Chicago people as far as you start up uh, in the the 90s on the south side with all the the, the real, you know, the, the real brothers. And uh, then it comes down past Comiskey Park. So you got all the the sausage guys, and uh, they get in for the for the White Sox games. And so you get that that crowd. Then you get to downtown, and you got the the college kids and all the the students and whatnot going through uh, on onto the north side, uh, going through uh, Ravenswood. Uh, got all the, the 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 what they call the yuppies uh, back when we were kids. Uh, really, the, the young. Young urban professionals, you get to Wrigley Field, so you got both uh, baseball crowds there. You got the Comiskey crowd and the Wrigley crowd, which are two extremely different crowds, um, all the way up to the uh, through the north side to where the the sort of the hoity-toity uh, live over near uh, going up uh, near Evanston. So you get a little get a little bit of everything as far as the people goes uh, on the red line. Yeah, you get to get a, go up the Gold Coast, and then yeah, you end up. Uh... Tui. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you can jump on the purple line and go all the way up into downtown Evanston. Yep, if you so choose to do that, which I don't think I ever did that. Uh, I, I, I did it once. I, I rode back from Evanston a couple of times, and more than once, then I got to say. But yeah, no, uh, we're, yeah, we're, so I figured it'd be easier just to take the train downtown. We're going to go see some stuff down there. Show you know, walk around, see the big buildings. Go go do the touristy stuff. The stuff I you know, look at it through the eyes of people who've never really done it. You know, taking my kids down there, letting them see all the skyscrapers. I mean, they they don't see anything like that here. The buildings here that they think are big are like twelve stories. Yeah, no, I, I get that because that actually yeah. reminds me of. I won't name names, but uh, I somebody that I used to know that lived in downstate Illinois, and when that person drove up to see me, uh, would be amazed at all the big buildings. So we went on the train one time, yeah. um, and that person was literally sticking their head uh, – you can't stick it out the window because the windows don't open, of course, but they were just looking, and were their, their mouths were open, and their eyes were wide, and they are like, wow. So, yeah, your, your kids are probably going to be about the same mentality. Wait, was that grandma? <laughs> that that was that was grandma. I, I won't get into all that, but yes. We don't. We didn't name names, but you didn't see. You didn't name names. <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> I, I didn't think you'd remember, but yeah, that was going going back in my history, back before Uh-oh. I moved down here. That's all we enough said. We don't have to the other. Sometimes. <laughs> Better radio not to tell the story because then the, the 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 listener's imagination can fill in the gaps. That's right. So if I ever get big enough that you see me in public, you know who I am. You can always ask me about Grandma from Downstate and listen to that <laughs> story if you really want to know. Oh man! Well, I I think I've had a I think I've had a night here. 
Yeah, that'll be two hours for us, and I think that's uh, enough time. Um, I will not be getting these picks up on the blog immediately because it's late and I need to go to bed because I have to work tomorrow. But somewhere this weekend, uh, tomorrow, Thursday. Saturday, I will get the, the picks up on the blog. Yeah. And, and we got uh, plenty of time. <laughs> we're final in Houston. I finally have a game up on you. I need to start clawing my way back. Maybe this is the week. We'll see. Uh, yeah, so eight and six for me last week, and six and eight for you. So that puts you down to uh, eleven games below me. So now with this game, that puts you ten under. So you're, you're crawling your way back. All right, so yeah, that'll do it for us. On the locks, so you'll either be up two, or we'll be tied again. <laughs> That's right. A big reason for us to actually watch Monday Night Football. How about it? Going head-to-head with each other. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. That'll be, I, I don't know what possessed me to lock in the Buffalo Bills, but but I, I did it. Like it. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy your weekend in Chicago with the family, and I'm sure everything will be uh, loads of fun there in the Windy City. I, I wish I could be there. Yeah, I'm sure you'll see pictures. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank all you people for listening and happy Halloween to all you spooky, scary people out there. Uh, We will be back to recap week eight in the NFL on Tuesday evening, nine o'clock central, 10 o'clock Eastern time. We will talk to you definitely on Tuesday evening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.